You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org. our music team moves to their seats in the pews. Can we give God a hand of praise for them? We give God praise, thanking you for helping us to walk into this moment, thanking you for helping us as we all wrestle with all of the stuff that we walk in with, thanking you for the time that you commit to helping us embrace this gift of being centered in God's presence. Yet I also ask that we give the Lord a hand of praise for our AV team. Can we give God praise for our AV team? Because just as they help us experience God's presence here, They are helping others in our online community experience God's presence where they might be. They're also leaving that digital record of our time together so that others can go back and think about what it means to be centered in God's presence, to think about this journey of being at the table. as we hear that siren pass outside, I think about sometimes the urgency of moments that we share. The urgency of how God is calling us to, to recognize this divine gift of being a part of a divine community. And in this moment in our text, we find Jesus at the Passover meal And I would dare to say probably immersed in a sense of urgency. Jesus and the 12 at the Passover meal. After marching into Jerusalem, hearing the crowds cry, Hosanna. Now we saw our children coming in with the palms and waving them and leading us. And the thing I love about that, did anybody enjoy that moment, watching the children come in? Yeah, yeah. See, see, the thing I love about that is they remind us of the innocence and the purity that accompanies the cries of Hosanna. Yet, y'all know there's another side of the story, right? (laughs) Because in the midst of those cries of Hosanna, while there were those who were sincerely crying Hosanna because of recognizing the presence of God walking into their space. As James and I were talking earlier, they laid out coats mimicking what happens during the royal processional, but he and I just before service began talked about it's amazing how 
that mimicking of lauding royalty at some point soon after was going to turn into mocking even by others who had other intentions, even as there were those who were crying Hosanna. And so there is a sense of urgency that, that grasps and, and, and speaks through this text because again, we have Jesus at the Passover meal after hearing the cries of Hosanna, after reminding the disciples, reminding the disciples of the necessity of faith and prayer that does move mountains, after confronting all who take hypocritical stances that mute full expressions of righteousness and encouraging them to yield to God's spirit in ways where justice and mercy and faith become their constant testimony, we find Jesus after lamenting over Jerusalem's resistance to the prophets of God, whom God sent to help them to turn away from ways that were antithetical to life as children of God, we find Jesus with the 12 after prophesying regarding the destruction of the temple, foretelling of the persecution that, that future believers would endure, and giving divine encouragement to hold fast and await his second coming, we find Jesus at the table with the disciples experiencing a sacred meal, calling them into an expanded awareness of who they are in God, calling them to take a seat at the table. And at the table, we find Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper, instituting Holy Communion. Now, we heard one description of the wording from Matthew that walked us into this moment. But let us hear the same words regarding this moment from the book of Luke in chapter 22. We find the same description of the institution of the Lord's Supper, but with a slightly different wording than what we just heard in Matthew. In verses 14 through 20 of the 22nd chapter of Luke, listen to this slightly different description of this invitation to the table. It tells us that when the time came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles joined him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Do you hear the urgency in this text? I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I won't eat it until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. After taking a cup, and giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. I tell you from now on, I won't drink from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom has come. After taking the bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the meal and said, this is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Each Sunday, we enter into this sacred space. Okay, Lord, why are you meddling now? <laughs> we enter into the sacred space maybe sometimes with a sense of urgency. We enter into the sacred space maybe sometimes thinking, well, this is what we do every Sunday, so let me get ready to do it again. <laughs> Maybe sometimes we enter into the sacred space with a curiosity because of all of the things that have happened in our lives. The moments where we feel like we have run into a wall and the wall has been fortified so it's not easily pushed over. And we're hearing the words of Jesus saying, have faith that moves mountains. And you're like, Lord, faith that moves mountains, I can't even move this wall right now. Sometimes we maybe come into this moment filled with clouds of doubt that are not in blue skies where sunlight is shining and helping us see through the clouds, but they're in gray skies where all of the darkness of the sky seems to support the, the confusion and lack of clarity that that cloud is causing. But maybe sometimes we enter into this moment with an expectation that is so palpable that we want to share it. But then we think about the stuff that other folks are going through and we're almost ashamed to share the feeling of blessing that we have in our lives. because we see the struggle that they are going through in their lives. We come to this table with all sorts of things going on in our lives. But maybe despite or maybe even because of those things that are happening, that is why we can look at this table as sacred. Or maybe the other reason why we can look at this table as being made sacred is because God chose to meet us here. As a matter of fact, it is God who has beckoned us here. It is ironic that we use a sacred breath given to us by the very presence of God in our lives 
to call God into our presence. Did anybody see the irony of that? <laughs> the sacred breath that we are breathing is given to us by God, yet we walk into spaces calling God into our presence. Maybe sometimes glossing over the fact that it is God who's issuing the sacred call. Maybe sometimes missing the fact that it is God who has orchestrated the divine moments that allow us to be wherever here is. Maybe sometimes missing the fact that it indeed was goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life, pushing us into these moments of decision where maybe we finally hear and see and feel the way that God has been moving the whole time. This place is sacred because Christ has met us here. Grace has met us here and, and we are called to remember. We are called to remember that salvation is real. We are called to remember that mercy is real. We are called to remember that repentance and forgiveness and redemption and restoration are real. We are called to remember that the presence of Christ in our lives is real. The real presence of Christ is here. And at the table, we commune. At the table, we recognize that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has called us to receive the gift of being enwrapped in a sacred mystery that, that points us to the fact that a power we cannot explain is the power that leads us to celebrate resurrection Sunday after Sunday. I love that question that is often asked. Why do you all celebrate on Sunday and not Saturday? Celebrating to remember the resurrection. Sunday is not simply a cursory day. Now I know it because we do it week after week, it can become cursory. I know because we do it week after week, it can become perfunctory. I know because we do it week after week, it can become common. But what we are remembering right now is an uncommon move of grace. Yes, we can show grace to one another but I dare say we don't show grace like God shows grace. Yes, we can be kind and loving towards one another, but I dare say the way that God's love takes all of us with all of our stuff and all of our moments, and when we feel like we're getting right, getting it right, and, and, and we in our own ways fall into that habit of not seeing and hearing one another, 
not taking the extra step to love one another more deeply, not taking that, that extra pause to hear one another with more clarity. God's grace says, I'm taking all of that <laughs> and helping each of you still move from point A to point B while pushing each of you. And be mindful, I'm in the you now. <laughs> I am squarely in the you, pushing each of you, pushing each of us. to experience moves of grace that we couldn't orchestrate ourselves. Because somehow we tend to always find the butt in the midst of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I use that conjunction. Grace could move and redeem, but I still remember this element of hurt. Grace can move and redeem, but I still remember the ways that I fell short. Grace can move and redeem, but these walls never seem to truly fall down. Yet ironically still, all of us are invited to this table. All of us are invited to this table with all of our stuff. All of us are invited to this table with the ebbs and flows of life that happen. All of us are invited to this table and we, and we, and we come to this table sometimes forgetting that heaven itself is interceding on our behalf, that our risen Savior is interceding on our behalf, that even as we sometimes know what it's like to be praised and then other times know what it's like to be derided, sometimes know what it's like to feel loved, other times know exactly what it's like to feel abandoned, sometimes feel joy, sometimes feel pain. And as Frankie Beverly says, because it's like sunshine and rain, it's just going to keep coming and coming and coming. <laughs> Sometimes we feel heard and sometimes we feel seen. Sometimes in the turn of a dime, right after feeling heard and seen, we feel invisible and muted. But still, we've been invited to the table. And see, when I think of that moment of the table, and I think about everybody who was at the table, I'm like, okay, the text is actually showing us that we all are really going to come to the table with all of our stuff, right? Can y'all remember some of the folks that were at the table? Uh, let's see. Um, let's remember there was somebody named Judas who was the chief betrayer who was at the table. Now, before we get on Judas about betraying, let's also remember there was one named Peter who was at the table who, though he didn't betray, he did deny three times, and denying three times is real close. <laughs> it's real close to betraying, but I guess I'm going to go with what the text said. The text didn't say he betrayed. The text said he denied. But then before we get to Peter, okay, so we want to talk about the betrayer. We want to talk about the denier. But what about the ones who just didn't even show up? 
at the crucifixion. It's interesting. It tells us that one of the 12 showed up. But it's also interesting that the disciples who aren't often called disciples were there. I'm talking about those three women who were constantly there supporting the ministry. So one of his boys and three of his girls were there. But where is everybody else? Thank you, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) But how was that a salient point for all of us? The people who were at the table the first time had a whole lot of stuff that they were dealing with. I love something, and this has been something that has just really been a blessing for me. One of my preaching professors, Reverend Dr. Teresa Fry-Brown, looked us closely in the eye this time of year. And she said, if y'all can just do one thing for me, I just need you to resist the urge to be the hero in the text. There's really only one hero we need to focus on all the time. That's the one that we call Jesus, who gives us the life and life more abundantly. Now, he said, she said, now, I do desire that you kind of like, that you have heroic convictions. You're not the hero in the text. You're probably more like... The ones who have these sincere desires but constantly realize they need God's grace in order to be who God has called them to be. And family, it's okay to recognize that we need God's grace to be who we are called to be because Not only is it God who's inviting us to the table, but it's God who's giving us life. It's God who ultimately is with us in those times of struggle, in those times of consternation, in those times where all the stuff just mixes together. And it's like, God, I did not ask for this gumbo. God, I did not ask for this mix. But obviously I'm in it. God, can you show me you're in it with me? And God will show us that God is in it with us. And I know you all have probably heard me use this phrase, but I I, I can't help but, but bear down on it. The right call at the right time makes all the difference in the world. The right encounter with a stranger who at least for that moment in time becomes a friend can make all the difference in the world. The the, the right conversation with a friend who we have been skirting the surface, but all of a sudden at that time we went deeper than deep can make all the difference in the world. You see, the table...
All right, now I know I'm about to get really close to isogeting the text right here now. I know it, so I'm gonna put the disclaimer out. Yes, we come to the table here. But the experience of the table can happen anywhere. The experience of the table is this, that God's grace and mercy are showing up to show us that God does not desire that we live lives of feeling that we have been cast out. The spirit of the table says, come and experience me through the power of the Holy Spirit showing up to show you that you are not forsaken. Showing up to show you that forgiveness and redemption are real and palpable experiences. Showing up to show you, and remember, like I said earlier, I'm part of you, showing up to show us that the graciousness of God is so expansive that as Romans 8.39 says, that neither height nor depth nor powers, nor, nor principalities can, can keep us from the love of God or rather can keep the love of God from touching us through Christ Jesus. And when we come to the table, when we hold the bread, God desires that we remember that God is truly our sustenance. That God is truly, life in Christ is truly what nourishes our lives. Life in Christ is truly what, what gives us the kind of hope that helps us to persist even when it's hard to persist. When we hold the bread, we are to remember that we been enfolded and grafted into a divine family where our Lord and Savior says, I am there for you all. When we partake of the cup, we are to remember mm, that Christ and that act of atonement and forgiveness not only died for us, but lives for us. Christ lives for us. And Christ is alive in us. That's where the urgency comes from. The kingdom of heaven breaking into earth to show those who thought that they were lost and forsaken and forgotten 
that you are not lost and forsaken and forgotten, but you have been remembered by God. So as you remember that you have been remembered by God, do this in remembrance of that fact. You have been remembered. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a soul like we. We once were lost, but now we're found. We who were broken have been redeemed. Do this in remembrance of me knowing that you, that we, have a seat at the table. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hi, family. My name is Stephanie, um, and I have the honor of doing prayers of the people today. So as we get started, I just invite everyone to collectively take a deep breath, um, as we've gone about the busyness of our lives, just taking a moment to truly center ourselves. Um, so taking a deep breath in and out. Um, yeah, we can get started. Lord, we are mourning in the wake of yet another mass shooting. We lift up in prayer the families and loved ones of those who lost their lives Move those in power to help instead of harm. We pray for greater gun regulation in this country, for greater accountability in order to keep our children safe at school and in public spaces. Would our revival in the church propel us into action? Lord, in your mercy. We pray for greater safety, for the safety of the marginalized in our communities for the trans community and trans youth, we pray that our legislators' hearts would no longer be hardened, but would be moved to see the beauty of God's image in trans folks. Would these legislators be moved to act in love over hate and faith over fear? We pray for safe spaces to be created for trans youth and for the law to finally reflect their worth. Lord, in your mercy, Jehovah Rapha, your name is healer, and we pray for healing within this community. For those of us struggling with our mental health, for those in this room and this community struggling with anxiety, depression, trauma, and more, would your Holy Spirit teach us how to heal and walk with us deeper into healing? Would you bring therapists and community and hope into our lives at the right time? Would this be a place where people are helping one another to heal? Would we see people through a trauma-informed lens and in the love of Christ? Lord, in your mercy. 
Lord, as we near the end of Lent, as Easter nears, would you walk with us from seasons of lament and into seasons of joy? Would we welcome you in with the same passion and energy that you were welcomed on Palm Sunday? I thank you for the existence of this church and this community. Would we be a beacon of hope in East Atlanta and beyond? Would this space be a refuge for unhoused people, for LGBTQ plus people, for black, brown, indigenous, and all people of color in this community? Would this be a safe space for all? May we be radical in our hospitality. May we be radical in our love. May we embody your steadfast love that endures forever to all people. Amen. I now invite everyone into a time of silent confession where we can reflect on the ways in which we have not embodied God's love to each other or to ourselves. Friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us when we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. I now invite everyone into passing of the peace. Amen. Amen. We are thankful as we move into Holy Week this week, and as Karina just outlined, definitely plenty of things to be involved with and, and touch points. And so in that spirit, as we prepare to go into this day, I ask that we stand, and as we stand, remember that God is standing with us. God is beside us. God is going before us. The presence of God is the goodness and mercy that's been following us all the days of our lives. And as we lift holy hands in a posture of both giving and receiving, let us remember the gift for being invited to the table. Lord God, we thank you that you have said, come one, come all, come into my presence. And so Lord, as we go forth, knowing that you are present with us, help us, Lord, to receive your love in a way where we're inspired to give it back out. Use our hands, our feet, our thoughts, our words, our very presence so that someone might both see and hear the good news. Have your way, Lord God, as you bless and protect us. Shine your face upon us and be gracious to us. Show us your favor and give us peace. We're thankful that you placed your name upon us and you have blessed us to be a blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Let's go in love and go in peace, man. Hallelujah. hope that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you'd like to experience our full church services, you can find them at youtube.com slash eastsidechurchatl. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Eastside, you can find our giving portal at our website, eastsideatl.org. Be well.